13th floor. The 13th floor. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 13th floor, where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. I'm your moderator, B. Jones, and we're going to be continuing with our theme of men's wellness this month. We're going to get into financial wellness this week with our special guest, Jamal King, who's going to share with us the power of real estate investment. We also have Faison. He's going to give us the rundown on his experience with uh, the male form of birth control. And, uh, we have, <laughs> and we have our rock, our staple, Mr. Serial Entrepreneur, DJ Barry B. Fresh is going to drop that this week's Fresh and Biz tip. So without any further ado, let me get through my introductions. The baritone on the podcast, Deacon Rubra, Mike Matthews, what's happening, baby? Mm-hmm. Got up a little early this morning to get them ready, so da-da-da-da-da. We all good this morning. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Barry B. Fresh, how you feeling, man? I know that flu had you down for a little bit. Oh, man. Flu is real, y'all. I don't know if y'all got y'all shots or not, but if you didn't, don't let this thing hit you. I've been down for a week. I just feel like I just got a, out of 10-year sentence, man. But uh, we here, strong, we ready, we fresh. Let's get it. Mr. Rock out with your cock out. What's happening, baby? <laughs> <laughs> Enjoying life. Hey, listen, this has been a, a crazy weekend. Um, wife's taking care of me, but it's been um, it's different. I can tell you, it's, it's definitely different. I got a lingering, hey. lingering <laughs> for the last hey, couple days. The wife taking care of you is how you got in this situation. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> <laughs> Coach K, man, how you feeling this morning? Hey, man, I'm good, man. I'm ready to laugh at everybody else. And um, have a good time and learn about investing, man. Yeah, rock out with your cock out. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, our special guest, Mr. Jamal King, who has turned his dream of being a millionaire into a reality via real estate investment. In 2002, King purchased and renovated his first investment property and since then has used real estate as a vehicle to totally change his and his family's financial status. And over the last 10 years, King has opened multiple childcare learning centers. He has a successful security business and maintains an extensive and profitable real estate portfolio. So let's talk about the power of real estate, Mr. King. Uh, It recreated the life of you and your family and even the folks like us who come into contact with you, man. So give us some background on how you first got started and what brought you into that space. Man, like you just got through saying, bro, my whole life, I wanted to be a millionaire. And I just knew I was going to the NFL. You know, I was like, okay, the NFL is going to be how I'm going to make it. I'm not. My family, everybody in my family is blue-collar workers. My mother was a police officer. My father was a police officer. My brother was a police officer. And I was like, hey, that's not going to be my reality. Even though there was nothing wrong with being a blue-collar and being a police officer, I just always saw more for myself. So, you know, growing up in the hood, I ain't never seen, like, multi-millionaires. Never did I have multi-millionaires in my circle. So the only thing that I saw for myself is when I turn on TV, I see Deion Sanders. You know, I see these guys making millions on TV. So I was like, all right, cool. That's going to be me. I want that kind of lifestyle. So I ended up getting a football scholarship, going to Western Illinois University. And when I was at Western, you know, I had a decent career. But everybody else around me was getting drafted. My, my coach sat me down my senior year and was like, hey, King, I want to talk to you. And I was like, all right, coach. You know, I'm like, man, everybody coming out to his office after they had their meeting. And they like, oh, man, you know, hey, coach has told me I got a fifth-round draft grade. I got a fourth-round draft grade. He was like, King, your turn. So I'm getting ready. I'm like, man, I'm about to go up here. Coach about to tell me I'm about to get drafted in like the fourth or fifth round, too. 
man, coach was like, yeah, uh, so your father, he's a Chicago police officer, right? I was like, yeah, 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 my dad, he a cop. He's like, your mom a cop too, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, man, you ever thought about being a police officer? And I was like, coach, why would you tell me, you know, asking me why would I want to be a police officer when, you know, I'm going to the NFL. You told me that if I came here and if I did everything I was supposed to do, if I bust my butt, played hard, gave everything, I was going to make it to the NFL. And he was like, yeah, unfortunately, you know, it's not in your future. And so that right there, bro, just kind of crushed my little dreams, bro. And um, I had to make a way. But at that time, I didn't have no other vision in mind for my life. I was suffering from what I call PTSD, not post-traumatic stress disorder, but post-traumatic sports disorder. And, you know, and that's where, like, football for me was my, I say my second love, just in case my mama listening. My mama was my first love. Football was my second love. And that post-traumatic sports disorder, a lot of athletes, and I don't, know, I don't know if any of you guys played sports before, but everybody I came across with, they suffered from that at one point in their life. You know, it's where, you know, all you can, ever since you was a kid, the only thing you thought about was making it to the league. No matter what sport it is, football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is, no matter what, it, when you were since a kid, all you thought about was making it to the league. Everybody around you. You know, like my grandma, every time I see her, I wouldn't see my grandma for about four or five months. And then when I see her, first thing she said is, you know, how many tackles did you get? How many touchdowns did you make? You know, everybody in your circle, that's all they talk to you about. They identify you with football. And so for me, that's all, even from different males in my life. Every time they talked to me, everything was always dealing with football. So I was suffering from that post-traumatic sports disorder where I thought football was the only thing that was in my future, bro. And I never saw nothing different for my life. Yeah, and that's... So we haven't gotten into that in our podcast episodes, but it's probably something that we need to put on deck because shame on us for allowing our kids to grow up with just that seed planted of, hey, you becoming a professional athlete is the yeah. only way, right? So theoretically, now that we know better, so like for you, for instance, for Mike D, who played baseball and basketball, for Brett, uh, who ran track and played some football. Um, I think you guys know that, okay, that's great that we take you down the sports route, but I also want to expose you to these other things that you could potentially do so you can make a choice on which one you want to do. Or even if you do end up becoming a professional athlete, I've still set you up in a manner into which you can go whichever road you want to go, or you can do both at the same time. Yeah, it's right? not a it's not a one pony show, right? You got to be yeah. right to, to understand. Even though your focus and your drive is set where it needs to be, understand that doesn't mean that you're that's your only talent or your only ability or your only way to do anything. So, yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. As, as opposed to having a a a two sport uh, uh, all star like a Deion Sanders, um, you want to create. A, a multiple lane star. Yes. Right? Where yes. that's not your only thing that you can do. But let's keep it going. Go ahead, right. No, I was going to say that's just the evolution of a generation. Because, you know, when we were younger, as the shorties are now, we didn't have those that were older enough to the elders that had the mindset of being able to create something else on their own. So, right, right. right. It was like, if you're going to make that type of money, you're either going to be on TV or you're going to do something in sports. So since I don't have access to the TV, then, you know, go ahead and, you 
know, do your sport thing. And that just became kind of what we did. And it wasn't until we got a guy in Jamal's situation where it's like you start seeing people that left the hood, went to school, that you like, you knew this guy was going to be in the NBA, you knew this guy was going to be in the NFL, and he didn't make it. And then he came back home. Then you start to have that conversation. Okay, well, maybe I need to start getting my books together. I need to start thinking of other things in terms of what I'm going to do with my life other than saying I'm going to be an NFL player. And the teacher like, oh, yeah, you are. That's good. All right. And then they they just give you that all the way through school. You get the label. But, but man, what's crazy, fellas, even to this day, like if I'm in a hotel, I'm somewhere because, you know, I'm always working out. And even to this day, I still get people asking me in the airport, you play in the NFL? Do you play major, major league baseball? Nobody has ever asked me like, hey, are you a CEO? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody has ever asked that. And then, you know, and you see this, you see this disorder even go through your children. Yeah. The first thing, I got a son that's two years old. And, you know, of course, he looks like he's probably about four years old. Every time people walk up to him, the first thing they say, oh, man, he's going to be a basketball player. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You're not about to put this little psychological trauma on my son. Now, he's about to own a portfolio that's worth billions. That's what I tell him every time we see him. He's going to own an NBA team. Like, he's not worried about being a player. He wants to be an owner. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's that mindset. So, you know, after I had met with, after, after my NFL dreams was crushed, I didn't have no other vision for my life. And I think that right there is the problem with most of us in our community. You know, we stuck on that one vision that we had ever since we were six years old. And we never come up with this new vision for ourselves. So at that point, I just took the first thing that was available to me, right? At that point, I was like, okay, cool. I might as well just join the family business because I didn't know of anything else to do. And then that's when I went to the police department. And that was never what I wanted to do for myself. And don't get me wrong, the police was cool. You know, the whole thing with the police, they put food on our table. We had a good life. My parents had four kids. Um, all of my siblings all graduated from college. Matter of fact, I'm the one with the least amount of education from between my siblings. Everybody got two master's degrees in my family, you know, and I just couldn't think of anything else to do. So the easiest thing for me to do was join the police department. And that's when my life changed. It changed for the better and it changed for the worse. You know, and I tell you about one situation that really changed my life. You know, and I always say I kind of lo- almost lost my life twice this night. So I had went to the police department not knowing what I really wanted to do. I was just wanting to make money. I was 21 years old. I had a job. I had a gun. And I had a badge. And so, you know, I'm working in the streets of Chicago. I know y'all hear about everything that goes on in Chicago. And um, it was one night in particular where me and my partner had a training officer, old timer, and we walked up to these kids. You know, we saw them out there. You know, we worked at midnights. And we seen these kids outside. So he was like, hey, let's go talk to these kids. Let's go ahead and take them home. I walk up to one of the kids. There's about five of them. They all in the circle. I walk up to one kid in particular. And I'm like, hey, let me talk to you. Kid was cool. And I'm like, hey, how, you know, how old are you? The kid said he was 15 years old. So I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to take you home. But before you actually put somebody in the back of your squad car, it's customary to pat them down. So here it is. I tell the kid, like, hey, I got to pat you down. I'm going to take you home. You know, we're going to take you home to your parents. You know, let them sign for you, get you guys off the street. As soon as I walk up to the kid and go to patting him down, the kid pushes me, takes off running. Now, here it is, bro. I just got through playing football just four months prior to that, thinking I'm going to the NFL. So I'm in perfect tip-top shape. So, you know, the kid running. You know, I'm like, oh, man, it's game on again. You know, I'm back in my football day. I'm about to make a tackle. So I'm chasing this kid, man. We're running down this dark alley. And the kid, you know, my partner, he was old time. He couldn't even keep up, so he hopped in a squad car. 
I'm like about five feet away from the kid, man. The kid dips between these two huge apartment buildings. The kid jumps on top of this. Uh, it, it couldn't go left or right. You know, it was two buildings in between. It was like this eight-foot fence in front of us, and it had barbed wire on the top. So the kid jumps up on this fence, get cut by the barbed wire. I'm grabbing the kid to pull him down. As I'm pulling this kid down, the kid reaches in his waist and pulls out a tech knife and points it to my head. Points it to my head. As I grab his hand and the gun, the kid holds down the trigger and bullets start flying over my head. I'm sitting up here just thinking to myself, bro, like I can't believe this. Here it is. I'm just graduating from college, thinking I'm about to go to the NFL. I'm out here on the police department. I'm paying at the time. They paying me $36,000 a year, and now I'm getting shot at for taking the kid home. So this kid is shooting over my head, bro, and then my partner finally pulls up. My partner's so dark, he thought that I was shot. My partner starts shooting back at the kid. Oh. And the kid falls over to the other side of the fence. I fall down on the ground because my partner's shooting. And then now all my partner's bullets is going into an apartment building that's right across the street from where we was at. Wow. So the kid goes on the other side of the street. Man, listen to this. The kid goes to the uh, falls on the other side of the fence. My partner goes up. I get up off the ground. Just I'm at this point, I'm my whole mindset, dog. I'm just lost, shaking. You know, I'm just like, bro, I could have got killed twice by my partner and by this kid right here. We call in the chase. The kid actually gets up and run. Don't know if he shot or what. He drops his gun though, on the side of the fence I was on. We call in the chase. All of the supervisors come on the scene, right? All of the brass, all the supervisors, they tell them they got partner. Hey guys, you know you're all right. We're like, yeah, we're good. And he's like, okay, cool, man. All right. You guys got the gun. Good job. The guy got away. You know, hey, we'll find him. But it's one major problem. What's that, Sarge? You're across the street is an apartment building that's got 16 units in it, 16 different apartments. And your bullets possibly went to those apartments over there. Oh, you guys possibly, he's like, you guys possibly have killed somebody. I'm like, hold on, you saying you guys. Here it is. I just got shot at. Yeah. I got shot at. He, wow. I got shot at. And then my partner shot over there. But you know how I go in the police department. Because I was still a rookie, I'm an Ed Will employee. So I don't even, I can get fired just because. My partner who did the actual shooting, he could actually stay on the job. And he got the union to back him up. So they took us. They separated us. They put me in one squad kind of backup squad car. They put my partner in the back of another squad car. And then they're like, we have to go and knock on every single door in this apartment building. And then the commander gave the gave the call on the air, said, everybody, all the units, stay off the radio. And if somebody don't answer the door, kick the door in. So you could only imagine. Here it is, bro. I'm 21 years old, thinking I'm going to the NFL, thinking I'm about to be this millionaire. And now all of a sudden, man, I'm sitting here in the back of the squad car. Never been arrested a day in my life. But I felt like a criminal, right? But here it is. Right. I still got the badge on my chest, though. And so I'm listening to the radio. And while I'm listening to the radio, they, they're saying on there, they're like, unit number one. And they're knocking on the door. And then, you know, the people answer the door, and they're like, yeah, everything is fine. And you hear them on the radio saying, okay, unit number one is accounted for. Everybody's good. Bro, they get to, like, unit number 10. And at that point, nobody answers the door. So the commander gets the call to kick the door in. They kick the door in, and then you can just hear the, 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 the quietness on the radio, bro. And they just, like, going around. they like, you know, nobody's in here. And when they get to the last unit, Everybody in the building was accounted for. Either the apartment was empty. They come back to the car. They come back to the squad car and they open up the door and they pat me on the back and my partner on the back and they say, good job, fellas. I was done. Wow. wow. I was 
done, bro. That was the motivation I needed because the only reason why I even joined the police department was going back to what I learned from my parents about job security, right? Mm -hmm. Benefits, mm -hmm. you know, longevity. But the crazy part about it was all three of them major components that the reason why they told me to join the job was on was in jeopardy at that very moment. All right, so let me pause you right there. So I, I, I got two questions. The first one, who's responsible for those doors y'all kicked in? Who's responsible if a door is kicked in? Yeah, did this, you guys this, go replace those doors? That, well, not us personally. You know, you're not going to get no police officers out there on no those screwdrivers, but <laughs> the city. Uh, the city. Yeah, yeah the city actually. What a relationship. Yeah, no, the city. <laughs> you're right. The city. Yeah, you know what? That is community relations. Yeah, the city actually, they give you a voucher or something like that uh -huh. or, you know, something to that effect. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that was a non serious mm -hmm. question. Here's a serious question. So it sounds from like what you're saying, that was the pivotal moment where you realize, mm, okay, hold on. One, how did I get here? Two, what do I need to do from this moment forward? If, if the listeners are listening, is that what they should be getting out of that point there? Well, you know what? Those points and one more, that job security is not really that secure. Right. Child security oh, is not really that secure. So I learned that my whole life could have changed twice that day. Right. Either I could have got killed or I could have lost my job or could have been locked up. And that third point, I'm so glad you brought it up because a lot of people feel overly secure in what they have current state. Right. Yes. So they, 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 they go to sleep and don't realize you could wake up the next day and your whole company shut down. Done. Overnight. 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 Man. All right. We're going to let you continue from there, bro. So so what are your next steps after that? Yeah. So my next step, bro, was when this was what exposure part came in. At. So I get a call from a teammate of mine that actually got drafted. And my buddy was just like, hey, you know, everybody on the football team and everybody back in school, they were talking, man, we heard Jamal got shot. We heard Jamal got shot. You know, police officer Chicago got shot. And I was like, no, I didn't get shot, but I got shot at. And then my boy called me up. He had got drafted. Uh, he's playing with the Baltimore Ravens. And he was like, hey, Jay, you all right? And I was like, yeah, I'm good. He was like, hey, man, if you ever want to get away, man, you can come on down to Baltimore, bro, and, uh, you know, come check me out, man. You know, get away from Chicago. So I was like, man, you know what? That's a great idea. So I took him up on that. And I hopped in at the time, man. I was riding a 1993 Chevy Blazer. I hopped yeah. in that 90. <laughs> yeah, that Chevy Blazer. <laughs> yes, sir. You, know, uh, you already know. So I hopped in that blazer, man, and uh, took a trip, man, uh, to Baltimore. And, bro, this was the trip that changed my life. This was my first time really getting outside. I've been, a, you know, I've been, everybody been to Mississippi, been down south, family members and things like that, but I've never been to a community like this. So we finally get to Baltimore, and he lived in this gated community. And, man, it was so crazy, Carol. I remember when... You know, you had to drive up to these gated to this uh, gated community, and it was like a guard right there. You had to sign your name, tell them when you was going. And I never forget when them gates opened, bro. It changed my life. I literally, bro, was driving in this community, and I remember seeing like these seven fifty li. I remember seeing uh, Bentleys in the driveways. I remember seeing Mercedes Benz. I remember all of the houses had this well manicured lawn. And, you know, and it, it 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 was just it was just something different, bro. It was like the sun was even shining better there. You know, it was like the second you pull into the gated community, you know, it was like the sun just came out, and I was just like, man, what is this? And we you just know? talk about Maryland. 
for the right. rest. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is just something totally different. That one piece of trash was on the ground, bro. Everybody's yard was cut. It was mansions and they had like koi ponds in the yard, man. It was just unbelievable. I ain't never seen nothing like this in my life. But every single house on the block was tight. You know, so I pulled up to my guy crib and um, couldn't even pull my car in the driveway, bro. Driveway was so steep. I couldn't even, my 93 Chevy Blazer wouldn't even go up the driveway. <laughs> so I had to park my car out front, just embarrassed, you know. And I'm like, man, I got a job. You know why? You know, why am I living like this? You know, why? Why does it look like, you know, I'm working every single day. I'm busting my butt. I'm getting shot at. And, you know, I ain't even stepped foot in his crib yet. I was just on the outside of the house and I was feeling some kind of way. Wow. So, you know, so, yeah, so that was just something, man, that exposure of seeing that. But then when I did get there, my boy opened up the door or whatever. We got to talking and he was like, hey, a few of my guys, we all going out to dinner tonight. He was like, man, Jay, you know, we don't go out to dinner, man. This restaurant, you know, let's go. And so I was like, all right, cool. So we get to this restaurant. This was another experience where it just really messed up my mindset and showed me how I was conditioned, how my mindset was just conditioned. So we go to this expensive uh, restaurant. It was a steakhouse. And we get there, and he got a few other his buddies with him that play in the NFL. And when we get there, the second we sit down, the waitress, she's bringing out water and drinks and, and, and didn't even give out the menus yet. And my man, and they like, hey, let me get filet mignon. Let me get T-bone steak. I want you know, they just naming like lobster tail. They naming all of these items without even looking at the menu. She looking at me like, you know, do you know what you want, sir? I'm like, yeah, let me see the menu. And so she finally gives me this menu. And then they like, you know, they all sitting back looking crazy at me like, what you waiting on? You know, what you waiting on to order? And I'm over here find myself, I'm looking at the right side of the menu, uh -huh. you know. And you know what the right side of the menu is, right? Everybody, I see you smiling. Yep. The right side is the prices. And so what I did, I found myself looking at the right side of the menu to dictate to me what I was going yep. to eat. And so by everybody else, though, they didn't even look at the menu. But then my man said, stop. He was like, Jay, what you doing? And they like hitting each other on the arm. You know, like, man, look at this dude. And they like, what you doing? I'm like, I'm looking, you know, I'm trying to see what I want to eat. He's like, what's taking so long? What you want to eat? And I'm like, well, I'm looking at the prices. And I asked the lady, this, this, this one here says MP. What is that? And she's like, well, that's market price, you know? And I'm like, what's the market? Right, what's the market? And I want to know. And my boy was like, dog, what do you want to eat? And I was like, well, I'm kind of sitting here, because at the time, man, I was making like, you know, $1,200 every two weeks. You know, I'm making $1,200 every two weeks, so I'm budgeting, you know, what I, you know, my money, making my money last or whatever. And then my boy said, then he said, hey, Jay, look, dog, we don't do that here, man. You know, we just get what we want to eat. You know, we don't look at the prices. And so at that very moment, bro, I had thought about it like, wow, like what else in life am I looking at the prices on before I actually, before I actually buy it? Mm. I mean, if you think about that, everybody has a habit and we do it unconsciously. We live off the right side of the menu. Mm. We let the type of car that we buy dictate, we let the price of the car determine what type of car we're going to drive. The type, even with your children, with the type of school they attend, we let how much the school costs? We don't look at, is it the best school for our kids? Is right. it the best? Will, will they get the best education? We look at, well, the price of this school is, is this price. So therefore, you know, this is what we're going to send our kids. So for me, I was letting, not necessarily making the best choice of what I wanted to eat, but I was making the best choice out of the limited items that I could afford. 
And so in my life, I noticed that I wasn't just doing it with food. I was doing that with everything in my life. I was letting the prices dictate what I would get, whether it was from my wife. Yeah, and that's not how you live life. That's not living life. That's just experiencing life a little bit. And you know, and that's powerful, man, because what we don't know, right? And and maybe there's some studies out there. I'm not aware of any. We, We all went to school. If anybody knows of any, please speak up about it. But we don't know what the long term mental health effects of that are. Right. Knowing that you have to look at the price of everything as you try to live your life. Like, mm-hmm. What does that do to you as a person? What does that do to you as a people? Right. And I'm not just talking about us as black people. Right. Because anybody who doesn't get to a certain level of economic status you're experiencing that daily. Every decision you make is driven by, man, can I afford this? Or what am I not going to be able to pay because of this? Yeah. Weighing options, right? Yep. Yeah. But if you just think about it, think about how many people, what you're doing in life, like how many decisions you have made based off of the right side of the menu. Mm -hmm. Think about how we just live our life. Think about how we go through life, not getting what we really want, but what we can afford. You got yourself hey, a book title, sir. You, you feel me? Right side yeah. of the menu. I'm telling you, we're gonna come back and we're gonna come back and talk about that, bro. It's a psychological trauma, man, and I see it so much. I see it so much. So now I got this thing that we do. You know, every time we go somewhere, every time we always say, and I always tell people, man, live life on the on the right on the left side of the menu because on the left side is much sweeter. You know, even when when we vacation now. Our vacations, we live them on the left side of the menu. We don't look at the prices no more. We don't look at what something costs, you know, as far as where we're going to travel. We go to where we want to go, and then we let our investments worry about the right side. <laughs> so let's talk about how we get from that right side of the menu to the left side, man. Like, how, how, did, how did you transition, you know what I'm saying, not only your mind, but your, your ability to actually get on the left side of the menu? Well, well let me say this one last thing. After we had left that restaurant, and this is important, so I want to definitely say this. After we left that restaurant, man, I went back to my, my guy crib, and we sat down, and we was just sitting up talking. And I remember my guy was like, hey, Jay, man, you know, uh, when we was in college, man, when we was like 18, 19 years old, do you ever think that we are living like this? And I remember sitting in his mansion, and I remember looking around like, we not living like this, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like... I'm like, bro, you got a, you got a BMW, you got a Mercedes, you got a Hummer. Oh, you living like this? I ain't living like this back home. He was just like, I mean, man, you still, you got a career, man. You got your benefits, you know. You got your, you know, you got your. It ain't the same, dog. And and I remember just, um, you know, thinking to myself like, 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 wow. And he was just like, man, Jay, I never would imagine that I'd be having checks like this. And this is my boy. He was a really close friend of mine, so he wasn't trying to be boastful or nothing, man. But my man reached in his pocket. And he pulls out this check, and Brad, man, it changed my life. I, he pulls out this check and hands it to me. I look at this check. This check said $200,000. Wow. It was a $200,000 check. And that I was like, I was like, man, the NFL paid you up front for the year? You know, just sitting there <laughs> looking like, what are you like? And he was just like, no, man, this is my, this is my check. And I was like, wow, they pay y'all, you know, once every month. That's, that's tight. And he was like, no, man, this is what I make every week. I was like, dog, quit playing. I'm like, you make $200,000 a week? I'm like, bro, I was just at your game. You made like eight tackles. 
which was pretty, which is pretty good game. You making eight tackles as a linebacker, but dog, just that week, a week prior to that, I locked up like seven or eight felons. <laughs> you know, I'm like, my man, he made like several game saving tackles. Granted, I give it to him, but dog, I was out there saving lives. I'm out here saving lives, bro. And I'm getting paid dog twelve hundred dollars every two weeks, and you winning football games. You can pay two hundred thousand dollars a week. Like, dog, that can't be right, dog. Tell me this ain't life. This ain't my life. This is not how it is. This is my twelve six. I'm making six hundred dollars every dog a week. Twelve hundred dollars every two weeks. I can barely go out to eat and and pay my bills. But you got so much money that you got a check. You can't even spend this two hundred thousand dollars could last you for a whole year. Of one check, mm -hmm. I'm just like, bro, this can't be it. And I seen it. I seen, I seen how my life was going to end up turning out. And it wasn't, it wasn't going to be a bad life. It was going to be a, it was going to be a good life, you know. But it wasn't going to be the type of life where I could live life on that left side of that mean. Right. You know, I was going to be stuck on the right side. So now, Brett, now it goes to what did I do about it? <laughs> right. And so at that point, man, on my ride, on the ride back home to Chicago. You can only imagine the stuff that was going through my head. And I was just like, you know, I'll never be able to make $200,000, you know, uh, working a job for anybody. Make $200,000 a week. <laughs> when you're talking about a year, a week, you know, working a job for anybody. And so at that point, I was just like, you know, I always remembered seeing like real estate. I always remember, you know, even in my neighborhood, I remember growing up, I used to see like sometimes like older white men come into the black community. And I didn't really know what they were doing. I thought they were lost a lot of times, mm. you know, and I would see them going into the apartment buildings, right? To a multi-unit apartment building. And I would be like, man, what's going on? They got a, 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 a baby mama in there or something. You know, they got, you know, <laughs> you know, why are they always, are they the maintenance person? Why are they always going there? But I would notice they would always be going there on the first of the month. Like, why are they going there on the first of the month? And you would see them pull up and they would have the 750s. You know, they would have the Mercedes Benzes. And it was like, what are they doing? So as I got old, I noticed, man, these guys wasn't here to see their they, 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 they wives, their baby mama, whatever. They was here to collect rent. Yep. They was here to collect rent. And then they would take the money that they was collecting from our neighborhood and they was going back to their neighborhood. <laughs> and living in, and living in their mansion. And it was like, okay, okay, okay. And so what I did, man, this is when I went in and I called what I call the plan. And this is when I started writing down my life. And fellas, this is so important. And anybody out there right. listening, you know, this is where you want, this is exactly what you want to do. It wasn't everybody always asking, Carol. They'd be like, man, what book did you read? You know, what, 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 what sparked your mind? And I tell people all the time, the book I read is called The Book of You. And the author of that book is you. Mm. It's your life. Wow. It ain't nobody else's life. Nobody else is going to be able to tell you about your life other than you. And so when I wrote down what I did, I call it the menu. I wrote down my whole life. I wrote down all my debt. I took a sheet of paper and I wrote down all my debt. On the left side of the paper, I drew a line. So imagine having a sheet of paper and in the middle, put a line down the middle of the paper. To the left-hand side, I wrote down the type of house I was living in. I wrote down the type of car I was driving. I wrote down, you know, everything that my bills. And then to the right of that item, I wrote down the prices, just like the menu was, right? And so my total number, I added it up, and my total number came out to $5,000 at the time. 
that $5,000 number represented my lifestyle, right? That's what it cost to be me. At the time, every single month, my monthly, the monthly amount it cost to be Jamal was $5,000 a month. So what I did, I said, okay, cool. My house at the time was, was $1,500. So I said, I would need enough residual income to come in from buying me a rental piece of property where every single month I can take that profit and I can put it towards my house where I live. Now I don't have to take this money that I have that I'm getting from the police department and use it to pay this house note because now my residual income is going to take care of that. And so the first property I bought, I went and keep in mind, fellas, I looked at 77 properties before I bought my first one. And the reason I now between the 77 properties, a lot of those properties were good properties, but I was I was very precise and I was very persistent. I was looking for properties that was going to take care of those different items on my menu. So it took a certain level of patience. Oh man! Before you found the right opportunity, I think. Yes, it, it, man, a certain level. It took definitely. It took patience. It took patience because it was properties that you know my real estate broker at the time was bringing me, and these properties would have brought me. They would have netted me like a like eight hundred dollars, and I was like, oh man, eight hundred dollars is cool. But I was like, no, we're gonna stay. We're gonna stay persistent. We're gonna stay disciplined. We're gonna gonna go for those items that's on the menu. And then once I went ahead and I bought my first property, it was a four-unit, multi-unit building. Um, this property here, it was in a decent community. You know, I bought it for $125,000 and it needed work. I put about another $25,000 into it. So I sent this property for $150,000. It was four apartments in there. And so each apartment at the time, I was renting out for $1,000. So I was bringing, I was grossing $4,000 a month income. And then my mortgage at the time was only $1,000 off and I hit a low interest rate. And so I was netting $3,000 a month off of that first property. And so what I did, so now here it is, my, my total number, what it cost to be me was $5,000 a month. So instantly now, $3,000 or $5,000 was taken care of. And so now $2,000 was all I had to do to cover that $5,000 number. And then I, what I did after I, because every single property I bought, I tell people all the time, people like, well, how was you able to, to give the property value? You know, a lot of people, when they get, they think getting in real estate is just taking over a piece of property. And I call that really like assuming mortgages. I don't, I get value. As an investor, we add value to everything we do. We add value. So I never bought a property that was already fixed up, you know, always. So I have three components that I look at when I buy property. You know, the first thing is I look at what is the net, what's going to be my net income from this property. I always look at my net. I don't look at the gross. I look at the net. What will be my net income from this property? The next thing I look at is what is the ARV? And that's the after repair value. Meaning after I fix this property up, how much value, how much equity will this property have? And then the third thing I look at is this area a desirable area? What's the upside to this area in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years? Powerful, man. Man. Okay. So, you just dropped so many things. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen um, so many of us right now. Stuff like the podcast is going. Typing as we're going, you know what I'm saying? Right. Exactly. exactly. I mean, but, nuggets. And yes. here, here's the part that I, I think we need to understand a little bit more, right? Because for most people, they don't know what that first step is. So did you invest your own money 
Did you have investors? Did you take a loan? How did you do that for the first property? Yeah, so great question. The first property, you know, so I didn't have a mortgage in my name. So you have what's called an FHA mortgage, mm -hmm. you know, which is like first time home buying mortgage. And that percentage that you have to put down out of your pocket is like three to 5%, depending mm -hmm. on the bank you go to or depending on your, your, your credit score. And so all I had to come out of my pocket with was 3%. And so I got the 3%, you know, I, I was saving up a little bit of money. And at the time, my, my wife now was my girlfriend and we were saving up money together. And then the police department, they gave us what was called a uniform allowance or a uniform loan. And so you can go in for uniforms, for guns, badges, for, I'm not badges, for guns, um, uh, different uniforms. You can get a $5,000 loan from the police department. They'll just take it out of your check. So I took that money that was should have went to uniforms and different things like that. And I went ahead and I used that money as my down payment on my first property. Wow. Yep. And wow. then, you know, and then guys, I want to go back to, to the menu. Once I took care of that $5,000 number, which was my current lifestyle, to the other side, I had what was called my future lifestyle. And so at that point, I took care, I had enough real estate to cover my current debt, my monthly current debt. And then now I saw that that $1,200 that I was getting from the police department well, actually was more by then. But that amount of money I was getting from the police department was just going in my pocket, right? And so then I started working on my future lifestyle. So then, remember I was telling you, Carol, where I was saying, all right, this is the house I live in. This is the type of car I drive. Mm -hmm. I said, what type of house do I want to live in in the future? How much is that mortgage? How much, how much does it cost to live in a, in a, in a, in a 10,000, 15,000 square foot house? And then what I did, I drove around, I looked at different houses. I saw that these houses cost X amount of dollars. And then I broke down the mortgage amount and said, okay, the mortgage amount for this house is going to be $4,000 a month. So in order for me to live like this in the future, I need to be residually making $4,000 a month to purchase that type of house. So then I started buying enough real estate now to meet my future. And then my future eventually became my present. And then that's how I started living life on the left side of the menu. Wow. Where I was just, you know, living in the type of house that I want to live in, driving the type of car that I wanted to drive. And it was mm -hmm. all paid for by real estate. It was mm -hmm. all taken care of by real estate. Imagine that kind of life. Imagine that you're getting what you want in life, not what you can afford, but what you want to have in life. And it's taken care of by something that, that, that you get for the rest of your life. It's taken care of by something that can't be taken away from you because of a, because of a mistake by your partner. It's taken care of you and it can't be taken it can't be taken away from you because your contract ran out or because you tore your ACL. This is something that you got for the rest of your life. Just imagine that. Imagine that you whenever you want to get more money for yourself, you give yourself a raise. I literally every time the police department had a promotional test, I would buy a property. Every single time to become a sergeant is a $10,000 raise from a patrolman. $10,000 a year. That breaks down like six hundred and something dollars, and then you take taxes out of that and everything else. You might be getting three hundred dollars every two weeks. I would just go buy me a building, and this building would be bringing me in two to three thousand, netting me two to three thousand dollars a month. Wow! Mm. So then my lifestyle, bro, my lifestyle. I just start seeing it change. I just start seeing. I start seeing that that, and it goes back to that menu again. Mm -hmm. I started seeing it where I saw my wife actually not count the cost. She started looking at schools for our kids. We had our daughters at the time, Ayana and Jasmine, and we, we didn't say, 
what school can we send our kids to? We just started looking at the best schools. We literally started looking at the best schools that was in the state of Illinois, not a neighborhood school, right? Not the, the best neighborhood school, but we looked at the best school that this state had to offer. And then once we did, we said, how much does that cost? Oh, wow, it's going to cost $3,000 a month. All right, cool. Let me get started. Let me go ahead. Let me buy a property. Then I went and bought a property. This property took care of my daughter's school. My daughter about to graduate Tuesday, this Tuesday. Oh, man. From the top school in Illinois. And we looked it up. My two daughters, one daughter is in fourth grade, and the other daughter is in eighth grade right now. And from the time they've been born, they've been in this school. From the time they've been, you know, been able to go to school, they've been going to this school. And we, me and my wife just looked this up two days ago. We spent over $258,000 on their education. And this is grammar school. And we're not talking about college. No, no, this is not even high school. This is grammar school. But the best part about it, bro, is that we did not have to work for it. We didn't have to pay for it. Our investments took care of it. My daughter knows Spanish. She knows French. She knows Mandarin. Wow. I mean, my daughter got getting straight A's, got grazed out that me and my wife could only imagine, bro. You know, we both went to public school. Me and my wife went to the same high school, went to the same college. But that's what that's what that generational wealth is all about. It ain't necessarily all about money. It's about setting that next generation up. Yep. It's about giving them that boost that they need in life, that they're going to need in life. So now my girls, man, I, I see them, and they are so smart. And, and the crazy part about it is I thank God because this menu, bro, this menu that we rolled down, this menu has changed our life. And in so many ways, you can't even imagine. You, I probably won't even get the chance to see the, the fruits of, this, of our labor, you know, to see the real fruits of it. Yeah. We're talking generational right now, man. Right, right. Yeah. So let me ask you this, man, because, you know, I, I want to give the people that they may not watch this, but they may listen to it in their car or, or wherever. Um, so that menu, right, you were pretty visual with it when we started. So left side was your current living status. The right side was the cost associated with that, right? So the life That's that right. you wanted to live, is that when you flip the menu over? Where, where is no, it's, it? If you look at it, if you take it, so I still, so I, so you have the, to the, if you draw a line down the middle of the paper, yep. to the, to the left, to all the way to the far left of the, of the, of the line, mm -hmm. you have everything that you're writing down and still to the left of the line is the prices, okay. right? That's your current lifestyle. Okay. And then on the other side of the line, you have your future title to your future lifestyle. Gotcha. Okay. To the left of that future of that line of the future lifestyle is the type of house you want to buy, the car you want to live in. I mean, the car you want to drive. Those items, and to the right of that, those items are the prices that go along with that. Mm, okay, it's not good enough. A lot of times, the reason why a lot of people are stuck in their current situation is because they're not planning for the future. I'm right now. The crazy part about it, Carol, I got this thing, and I call it like the ten year rule. Like, like everybody looking at the Jamal today, right? The Jamal today living in a they're living in an 18,600 square foot house. The Jamal today got a sports bar, got a movie theater, his own gym, got a nightclub in his house. But what people looking at, they looking at me today and they not realizing that the Jamal that was 30 years old envisioned this. You know, I give credit to the Jamal that was 30 years old for this house, not the Jamal that's 40. The Jamal that's 40 is just living in it. Mm -hmm. But the Jamal that was 30 set him up to live in this. And the Jamal that was 20, set that Jamal that was 30 up to be able to do what he did. So I, I break my life down by 10 years every time. Now I can sit back and I can just sit up and party and celebrate and just live and, and, and everything that I got going on right now. 
Or I can say, if I don't do something right now at 40, and the Jamal turns 50, he's still the same situation he's in at 40, which is not bad. It's not bad at all. But it's still more out there. You should always be evolving. You should always be progressing. Always. That's, that's, I think, one of the biggest things that we got through, through this conversation uh, is the mind state that the people will need to have. You know, that producer mind state, that setting up that generational wealth. All of, all of those things are critical components. And I don't want the listener to get so caught up in seeing the masterpiece that is Jamal King right now and forget about the work that was put in at 20, at 30, that you were able to, you know, get, uh, reap the fruits of that labor here at 40. And I know we talked about the FHA, but um, I also want to see, is, are there any other resources that some of like the first time uh, buyers or homeowners that are looking to, to change their current lifestyle, change their financial well-being right now that they can look into to get into real estate? Yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of development companies out here, mortgage companies, hard money lenders um, that actually will give you money. You're looking at getting real estate as an investor. Now we're speaking as an investor. If you're looking to get in real estate as an investor, it's tons of companies out here that literally you have to come out of your pocket 10% or 20%, and they'll give you the money to purchase the property, and they'll give you the money to renovate the property. And so that's that's all I do, even still to this day. I go to these companies and I get the money to purchase the property. I get the money. They give you the money actually to renovate the property also. What are some of the things that you have to bring to the table when you go into these companies? Is it like a 750 credit score, you know, outside of that 10%? You know, right now I have my portfolio speaks for itself. So I haven't been, I, I don't have to, they don't even look at your credit when you get to this point, but Back then, for the people that's listening, yes. So a lot of times right now, and you don't even need a 750 credit score. I know a lot of different companies that's out there that give a 630 credit score. Um, and some companies give us with a 600 credit score, you can uh, get a loan. And so a lot of times you have to put down 10% to 10 to 20% down on the property as an hey, investor. I don't want to miss that. What you just said was, once you get to this point where your portfolio is so extensive and proven the credit score isn't determining factor. And for most people, they have it in their mind that credit score is the end all between all. But once you get to a certain point where your body of work can speak for itself, your credit score takes a back seat. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Assets, assets all day long. When you go into these banks, these mortgage companies, I remember when I used to go in there and when I was dealing with credit, it used to be, um, you know, because they knew I was a police officer because they want to see paycheck stubs. So they know you're a police officer. They know whatever your profession is. So I remember they used to come in and they used to go, oh, Officer King, Officer King, come on in, have a seat. And I used to always hear them say, Officer King, you know, how can we help you? You know, how can we help you? You know, which was being nice. And that's probably what most people get when they go to the bank. They go, you know, you know, how can we help you? But now when I go in there and I got my portfolio that I have, it's a whole different language. Now the language that I hear is Mr. King, how may we service you? Mm. How may we service you? It's a big difference, man. When somebody tells you how can we help you as opposed to how may we service you? Yes. You know, so yeah, everything is portfolio-based driven. And I speak to those listeners out there, you know, research portfolios. This is the new game. A portfolio is the new money. Because what you're doing with a portfolio, this is how you create generational wealth. In the beginning, I used my portfolio to take care of my lifestyle 
my wife lifestyle, my children. But now the portfolio that I have is going to take care of my grandchildren's lifestyle. It's going to take care of my great-grandchildren's lifestyle. It's no reason why this portfolio of properties we put together, if it, if it was able to take care of our lifestyle currently, it can still take care of those to come, future generations to come. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. Anybody else got anything you want to add before I uh, move the podcast along to phase on? Hey, oh, hey man, look. Bring us, wear your workshops, <laughs> wear your seminars. <laughs> we can sit down off the video and have a conversation. Hey, bro, this is what I'm all about. That's what generational wealth is about. It's not about just Jamal's kids. It's not just about, you know, Jamal's family. It's about everybody's family because the more wealthier you are, the better this world going to be. The better it's going to be for the better our community is going to be. The better it's going to be for everybody. And so that's what generational is about. That's what, that's what true wealth is all about. It's about everybody coming together and pulling their resources together. It's about sharing information with each other. I mean, what you guys are doing right now with this podcast, you guys are giving information out here. And it's what's needed. It's not, it's certain things that's not talked about out here. You know, growing up, you know, you guys seem like we're all about the same age. We never really talked about money at the dinner table. That was a bad thing to do. That was a bad thing to do. That was a bad thing to do. But I talk about it with my children, man. I go ahead and I tell my kids all the time. You know, my kids get some money for their allowance or their chores or something like that. I ask them, what do you want to do? You want to take this money and put it in the bank? And then I'm like, okay, if you had this money in the bank, if I give you $50 and you take this $50, you put it in the bank, this is what you're going to get back every month. And I get them two pennies. Every single month, I get them two pennies. Here you go. This is the interest off your money. And I'm probably being generous. I yeah. give them two pennies back. <laughs> and so, or I say, or I say, okay, cool. Give daddy your $50. Give daddy your $50, and I'm going to invest it in real estate. I'm doing a project on it. You give me your money, I'm investing in real estate, and then in three months when we sell this property, you're going to get your return. And then after that three months, I give, they give me $50, I give them back $500. And I show them, and they be like, wait a minute, dad. At the bank, you, they only gave me two pennies back. <laughs> But when I invested in the real estate with you, you gave me back $500. I said, exactly, baby. And that's, that's what they life. don't tell you. That's exactly how life is. So that's the type of stuff we talk about at the dinner table. My kids be coming to me and talking about Hey, Dad, I got, I got $100. Can I invest in real estate? And I'll be I like, know. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Absolutely. But what you're doing is you're getting a mindset yeah. ready. You're getting it ready, bro. I mean, just think about it. You could take $200,000 and you could put it in the bank. And that $200,000 is going to make you, every single month, 0.002% interest, which ain't even like $20. But yet, you can take that, you can take, don't even, I don't even need to take the whole two money. Give me just $30,000 of the two hundred, and I can invest it in a piece of real estate, you know, which is my down payment on the property. And this property can net me $3,000 a month. So it just, I mean, I don't, every, I don't, that's why I really, I'm not cash heavy in the bank. I tell people all the time, I'm really not liquid. I love, as opposed to some people, they go and they might have three or four different bank accounts. And they're like, okay, this bank account got 20000 this one got 30000 this one got, I look at real estate. I drive down the streets of Chicago, and I'm like, yeah, that building there is worth $500,000. This building here is worth $200,000. This building here is worth $800,000. This building is worth, and the crazy part about it is, when you break down, not only what the buildings are worth, but how much residual income, how much net income I get from it every single month, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. 
It's no sport. Yeah, you might play in the NFL right now, and yeah, you might be making $100 million right now, but will your children be making $100 million? Hmm. Will your grandkids? Can your, will your, will your grand, can you guarantee me that your grandkid gonna run a 4240? <laughs> can you guarantee nope. me that your grandkid gonna be six foot eight? But I can't guarantee you that this portfolio that I got right here, I can guarantee you my children gonna have it. I can guarantee you my grandkids gonna have it. It's life changing. Man, bro, it's serious. It is life changing. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And bro, we can go on and on. We ain't even got started on how I took the money from the real estate, then started the daycare centers, and then started the other yeah, yeah, Just gonna say, I was like, man, and all we just talked about was the real estate. We haven't talked about other companies that uh, that this all springboarded. We were able to yeah. jump into as a result of. Man, powerful. I, mm-hmm. I hope people will take notes. If you weren't taking notes, you want to go back and start from the beginning because I can tell you the guys, I, I don't think there are people that are going to comment on this podcast and say, man, Fresh was real quiet on this show. Yeah. <laughs> just, just taking it all in. And, and I hope everybody out there in the audience did as well. Got the brains moving, boy. The wheels going. Like, yes. I got yeah. Sunday morning conversations, baby. That's what they all about. This much, go invest this much and you make up a property. Easy. Hey man, let's show. Hey, make real estate real for you. Ooh, make real estate real for you. I never sat back and said that I was gonna be this uh, multi-millionaire from real estate. All I was doing was making it real for me. I said that I wanted a certain kind of lifestyle. I wanted my lifestyle taken care of. I wanted. I wanted to be able to give my wife, who I've been with since high school, I wanted to be able to give her the type of life that she deserved. I wanted to be able to give my children who didn't ask to be in this world. I wanted to be able to give them the type of education that they deserve. I didn't want to have to only give them what I can afford, but I wanted to be able to give them what they can deserve, what they deserve. Right. Yep. So make real estate real for you, bro. Make real estate real for you. If all you entrepreneurs are saying, hey, I don't, you know, I necessarily don't want to be in the real estate. I want to own my own gym. I want to own my own this business. That's still a building. I used real estate. I, I used real estate to finance my other businesses. I never went to the bank. I became the bank. I became the bank. I went to myself for a loan. I went to my refinance my properties. You know, I used the residual income from my properties to finance my other businesses. And that's how I was able to start those businesses and make those businesses so successful so fast. Because once those businesses got going, I never had to take money from those businesses to live off of because my life was taken care of. Mm. I was able to take 100% of the profit and reinvest it into the business. When most people, they living off of their businesses. Mm-hmm. So use real estate to take care of your life. Use real estate to fund that passion that you got for yourself. You let real estate be that, be that safety net. Let real estate be that thing that's going to take care of your business, the business or the idea that you have. Mm-hmm. Make real estate real for you. There it is. There it is. I love it. <laughs> so many questions. And, and, and I, I've been looking into and reading and doing mad research trying to figure out this process for real estate. And I think you may have given me more in, what, 40 minutes? And I've, I've read in like a month. Uh, wow. and so, so it's, it's kind of crazy. It's just one, just mind blowing and like speechless. I was really excited. Like last night when Brett called me, you were going to come on today. 
Um, so I kind of was tossing and turning the whole night, just like of excitement, just to learn. Uh, so it, it was really cool to, to say, just hear, hear that and know that it's, it's definitely doable. Um, I have my segment now, but I got a question to ask you first. And if it's okay with you, yes. Brett, I can ask this oh, question. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Um, so you talked about uh, the desirable uh, areas that you knew would go forward five, 10, 20 years from now. Yeah. How did you, what, what were you looking for to say, all right, I, I know this area is not ready yet. I can go in here cheap and buy this. But what did you, how did you know, what did you do to get that, that information for yourself? As far as to know which areas to buy in? Yeah. Okay, well, first off, like I said, I had those three components that I always look at. And so the residual income definitely was number one. I wanted to make sure that, you know, because without getting any kind of income, it's pointless. So I wanted to say, because I had a certain dollar amount that I needed to get from each property. So I never buy a property without saying, what is it worth it to me to take on this debt? What is it worth it to me to get to make every single month to take on this debt? I've talked to people before and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm taking on this property. I'm going to make $600 a month. It's not worth it to me to take on a debt to only receive $600. So once I determined that, okay, cool, it met the criteria that I was going to make whatever it was that I needed to make from that property, check. That was the first check mark. The next check mark is after I add value to it, after I put money into this, after I fix this property up, after I you know, put new counters, new cabinets in there, new countertops, new windows, how much will the ARV be? The ARV is the after repaired value. And your appraiser pretty much will let you know that. Or you can get what's called the comparables. Your, your real estate broker can let you know that. Once I found out that, okay, if I do these certain items, this property will now have fifty dollars to $100,000 more equity in that property. So let's just say $100,000 more equity. After three months of purchasing any property, you can refinance that property. And most banks will give you 50% what's called LTV meaning loan to value, they will let you take 50% out. So from the time you buy the property, you fix those items up in, in, in three to six months, you can refinance that and pull out. If it's $100,000 equity, you can pull out $50,000 of that equity instantly. And so once that criteria was met, check, there was another check mark right there. And then now, so now I got two out of the three. And now the third one is, the area you can go to your, uh, in your city, you can go to the department of planning and they a lot of times let you know the different things that's going on. They'll let you know if any type of special grocery store is going up, any new school is going up, you know, and things like that. So a lot of times with me, I just know my surroundings. I know my city. And so you can tell, you can always, I don't know if you ever, you know, when you guys are at, you might see construction, you know, whenever they're going in the ground and you see the, the department of water out there and they're changing the pipes and things like that. The reason why they're changing those pipes is because they need a larger service in the ground because they're about to build something mm -hmm. in that community. And so a lot of times, you know, you can go to even like your alderman's office, you can go to different places like that. And being a police officer, I was in the know-how of what's going on. You know, I would see guys out there all the time doing construction and I would go out there in my police uniform and, you know, and just go talk. Everybody want to talk to the police, right. <laughs> you know. And they would definitely tell me, oh, yeah, you know, we're um, putting up a new school here. We're putting up this new grocery store. There's a bank coming up over here. And I would say, okay, cool. The third criteria, check, <laughs> you know, and I would buy property. And the reason why you want to buy property in an area that's, that's kind of on an upswing is because, you know, of course, it's going to affect the future value of that property. Mm -hmm. And longevity, right? Yep. And longevity. You know, a lot of times, you know, that's a great point, too. A lot of times now I have so many properties that when I buy a property, 
I'm always thinking to myself, is this property in the type of area that I would want my daughter or my grandchildren to go into? Wow. How is this property going to be in the next 20, 30 years? Because now I'm buying properties for them. And my lifestyle is straight. I'm good. We're good. And, now I'm trying to affect others. And, and just to show you the type of, remember when you talk about not looking at the price, right? So he's gave you three criteria. Yeah. I've seen this man identify the criteria sitting right next to him in a, in a, in a seminar or, or in a conference and he's sitting there on his phone and I'm like, what you doing? <laughs> I'm looking at properties. <laughs> All my time. Contract in. Just like that. Mm-hmm. I'm addicted to it. I mean, but Carol, it just makes sense. Dog. It just makes sense. Oh, it yeah, makes sense, you. man. You know, and I used to tell my wife, like back in the day when we were talking about, you know, she wanted a car and we had money saved up. I would just take the money that we were going to spend on the car. I would take it and use that as my down payment on the property. And then that property is going to take care of her car no forever. Mm-hmm. And then once that car is paid off, we're going to get another car. <laughs> and then it's, you're not paying, we're not paying for it. But why take the last and go spend it on, on debt? And then now you got to save up again for the next 10, 5, 10 years just to get that amount of money again. See it every day. Why yeah. not take that money that you have and invest? I mean, it's a biblical principles, bro. You know, why not take the little that you have, plant it in the ground? <laughs> and then, so if you got one seed left. You take that seed. Most people take that seed and go and go spend that seed. I take my last seed. I plant it in the ground. So now I can get hundreds of fruit. So now I can get hundreds of crop. So that's what I do, bro. I, I will never take my last and spend it on a debt. I'll take my last and invest it and then let that investment now take care of that debt. Man. There's so many, so many more questions I have, but I, I know I don't have uh, four or five, six, seven hours yeah. to ask yeah. you, but yeah. I have your number. So I Plus, you have Jamal's number. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Just call me up. Just call me up. I see you in the background. It look like you're, you're a Kappa, huh? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm not, I'm not going to hold it to you. I'm not going to hold it against you, bro. My, my dad and my brother, they both Kappas, but I am a mighty man. I'm a mega sci-fi. Hey man, you like oh, you uh, want real information, man. Like, what's up? Man? I used to be on number. Yes, sir. Epsilon Beta, nineteen ninety nine. Man, see, we gotta talk more after podcast. Man. Go ahead, Phase On. Let's get this corner in, baby, so we can get the fresh in biz and Carol can close us out. It's kind of crazy because I, I thought about this right after the podcast last week, and we're kind of living it. But it's uh, commit yourself to constant self improvement. And I think that this cast really embodied that whole process. Consistently, no matter what it is you're doing, stuff yeah. improvement every single day. And, and just like you said, not, not buying it for the debt, buying it to grow and then pay you back later on. Hey, so, hey say, say, say it one more time, bro. We need, we need some volume. Get close to the mic. No problem, you got that. I know, I know you had a little surgery and you <laughs> might be feeling like <laughs> less of a man. No right worry. Now, you're still commit a man. Your, you got to commit yourself to commit to self-improvement. That's deep, powerful. That's it. That's it. it. There it is. Fresh and biz, man. We talked about the marketing budget last week, man. So now we we did marketing plan this week. Um, you know what? We're actually not going to talk about the marketing plan this week. I think with with the powerful moment that we all experienced today, I think one of the pieces that most in business don't do and that's being able to um, hold on to the small victories, right? And being able to take those little pieces and understand their parts of a larger puzzle. 
too many times we get caught up in wanting to see what's going to be there in 10 years and wanting that success of the 10 years of work and don't understand, you know, it takes those days, hours, minutes of now that will then create what we're going to do and, and, and be in 10 years. So it's about taking those small victories, understanding simple things of just taking a step to say, you know what, I, I, I do actually make the most amazing cupcakes. Everybody keeps telling me about it. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and my first step is going to be actually, you know, naming and creating my business, going out and getting that business license and, and, and taking those steps and understanding that in creating your business license, it doesn't mean that because in a week you don't have a, a store or location or, you know, selling millions of cupcakes out the door that, that you're a failure. It's, it's understanding all those steps combine and get together and then create the success and the path that you want. So hold on to those small victories, those little pieces, understand they combine to make that big, bigger puzzle. And that's where your success can come from. That's where we're going this week. Fresh and biz. Holla at you, boy. There it is. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, before we wrap this thing up, actually, Jamal, I'm going to go to you first. Um, now, before we ask you for all your social media, do you offer this advice, you know, willing to the public speaking engagements or anything like that? You know what? Um, you know, and, and the fellas can tell you just at the beginning of this year, um, CJ, you know, from ETA, from Eric Thomas and Associates, C, CJ, the president, uh, he brought me on this podcast, The Secret to Success. And um, pretty much I told my story and that bad fellow went viral, man. And mm -hmm. I have been on tour with Eric Thomas, CJ, Josh, uh, Maya and the crew. Um, ever since then, we probably have hit over 20 cities just since the beginning of this year, man. It's been phenomenal. Um, such a blessing, bro. And so um, it's crazy because everybody gets on me because I don't have any social media. You know, I don't. Yeah, I don't, bro. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't have any social media. But what I do have, I'm old school. I got my email. And so I give out my email. Um, it's King Jamal, K-I-N-G. J-E-M-A-L, the number three, at yahoo.com. King Jamal three. Email address, y'all. Old school. Old school. Hey, you know the blaze is still in the lot. Don't get it to Exactly, brother. The thing about it is, is that, you know, what I do, you know, I'm doing this. Who are you investing for? Are you investing for the grand? Or are you investing for your grandchildren? I ain't investing for it. Think about it, man. I'm not out here taking pictures of what I'm doing. I got a portfolio. Forget pictures. I don't need to my portfolio, my portfolio, that's my that's my grand. That's what I'm, my portfolio. And so, you know, that's, that's what I do, bro. I, I sit back and I grind, but I know eventually because I am speaking with ETA now and um, we are spreading the word and uh, we eventually are, we're going to have a, a, a real estate course on Breview. And we're going to eventually come out with a different real estate seminar and things like that. So, yeah, so everybody will be able to start, you know, seeing me and, and we'll, we will start doing some type of coaching and things like that. Uh, right now, we are putting together a book, um, okay. you know, and different things like that. So, you know, we are coming out, you know, uh, real soon, real soon. Okay. But that's my email. If anybody out there just want to drop me an email, drop me a question and um, we get some dialect and it's a real, you know, deep question and, you know, I don't really doing too much typing and stuff like that, man. I just go ahead. <laughs> At that point, I just throw my phone number out there and we can just talk. Got you, man. I'm looking yeah, forward to yeah, all of those yeah. things, especially the book, man, because I think me and Carol talked about it sometime last year 
before you left Maryland about the the rich dad poor dad and yep. a lot of the principles that you talked about are in that book. However, that book is a, at this point a little bit outdated, I think, man, and it, it, okay. it's a revamp. So I'm looking forward to what you're gonna bring to the table with the book you're working on, bro. Yeah, man, that's um, that is. I, I read that book once before, bro, and that's a great book. Um, and those principles, I can go further back. Those principles are not really. Um, they didn't start with uh, Robert Kiyosaki. These are like a lot of biblical principles, bro, that gotcha. he just took and and he kind of transformed it for the time maybe 20 years ago. Right. And and it, these are principles that just keep going over and over again. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, and for everybody out there, you know, I'm sitting here. I want to tell you guys, like, I did not. I wasn't born in privilege. Um, I come from a blue collar family. You know, I've been blue collar my whole life. One thing I noticed, though, because now I'm still surrounded around a bunch of blue-collar people and I'm surrounded around wealthy. And one thing I noticed, the major difference between the two is that there's another biblical principle. According to your faith, be it unto you. Meaning, according to what you believe is possible, you're going to have. Wow. The reason why I was a police officer is because I believed it was possible. After the NFL didn't happen for me, it was easy to become a police officer. Why? Because my faith level was police officer. My faith level now is multi-millionaire. Actually, my faith level going forward is billionaire. So according to your faith being unto you, according to what you believe is possible for your life, you will have. I think we're going to leave it right there. What you think, Carol? I think so. There's no need for me to follow up after <laughs> that, bro. Easy, man. Make sure you get this podcast off of SoundCloud, Google yep. Play, iTunes, uh, we got the videos on YouTube, Facebook, Vimeo. Check the platform. My man Fresh does work on the Vimeo platform and Spotify, man. But we about to get up out of here, girl. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, one more thing. Nah, you good, bro. Roll, roll with it, man. There it is, man. Thank you all for listening here with us on the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. The 13th floor. The 13th floor.